Mommy, where are you, please? You okay? You look, you look okay. It's all relative. Nobody means what they say on Thanksgiving, Mom. You know that. It's what today is supposed to be all about, right? Torture. I'm giving thanks that we don't have to go through this for another year. Except we do. Because those bastards went and put Christmas right in the middle. Just to punish us. Come on. Let's go out and keep eating, okay? It'll all be okay if we just stuff ourselves till we can't even think anymore. No, it won't. You don't have a job. My 16-year-old granddaughter is hopping into bed with her mother's blessing. And my sister's losing her mind. I mean, all that sick cook about when we were kids and Henry and everybody's okay Tommy's somebody's wife no 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 everybody's growing up we're all growing up boy if that isn't the nail on the head oh look at my feet look at your sneakers what's with your sneakers ma Oh, onions. Father cut some holes in the canvas so as to relieve the pressure. My dad. Yeah, but big deal. What's it going to be next week? This is the Cinema Night Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. It's always a pleasure to have you aboard. Uh, to those of you that check the show live as it happens in our streams, thanks for joining us when you join us. Uh, we're now available on Facebook Live, and we are live streaming on YouTube for the first time. So this is a new thing that we're doing. Uh, but that doesn't matter, because this is about a podcast. This is a show about movies. My name is Michael Govier. My dear co-hosts are here like they are always here every week. In fact, Rarely have we ever had a show. Maybe, has it been one show where all three of us weren't here? One time, right? There's, there was only one show that one of us wasn't here, and I'm not going to say any names, but it wasn't you or me. <laughs> that voice you're hearing is the voice of Travis Roy. Travis, you know, uh, COVID-19 is rearing its ugly head again. Are you okay? COVID what? COVID-19! I haven't heard of it. I don't really uh, watch the news. <laughs> <laughs> you're a lucky man, then. Congratulations. <laughs> So are you okay? 
Me? Yo, I'm, I'm, I'm good, great, grand, wonderful. No yelling on the bus. I'm doing good. <laughs> oh, that's so nice to hear. That warms my heart. What about you? Eric Branch from Griffith, Indiana. How are you doing this evening? It's a beautiful, blustery, windy November, and I'm real excited to talk turkey, no pun intended, <laughs> with this 1995 film from Jodie Foster. Yeah, which well, I, <laughs> which I erroneously called last episode her first direct, her the first film she directed. I'd like to get that out of the way now. It was her second. Uh, Little Man Tate was her first. Jodie Foster, that is. Oh shit! I was also under the impression that that was this was her first directorial debut, yeah. which is a double. I just rhetorical myself. Redundancies oh, 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 are oh. happening. Uh, welcome to the Redundancy Podcast. You're listening live. Check out everything we do online. Uh, Instagram. We always have lovely lovely totems about films usually tributes you know hey this movie came out 27 years ago on this date or uh or a film review okay on occasion that we don't talk about in the podcast instagram is the best spot for that we're on twitter too our twitter following's got a little better a little stronger we, we try to tweet a little bit more often it's uh cinnamon ipod so you can check out cinnamon ipod on there and of course on our facebook page which is now uh a humming along and thanks to those who commented last week and left a lot of thoughts about the show uh matt wilson uh, Jimmy Takis, everybody was chiming in. It was pretty cool to see all the comments on that. I want to give a quick shout out to Matt Wilson, who we inexplicably, inexplicably some call, sometimes call Matt Willis. But uh, I want to give him a quick shout out for describing the show. Like he like said some really nice things about our last episode. Which again, thanks to Chad for coming on. I really think it was one of our strongest episodes yet. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> uh, Matt said so. Like, what gives? You 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 take a movie that you say you love and then trash it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, that is the premise of our show. Welcome yeah, to the Cinema Nine Podcast. You just nailed it. Thanks. Yeah, it was fun seeing his comments because, you know, they the comments kind of show up as the whole video plays. So it's fun to see him kind of have these revelations. He questions <laughs> things. And then at the end, he's like, I love this pod. So thanks, Matt. That was very kind of you to say. Uh, I do think it was a strong episode. Chad Gibbons, salute to you, sir. Thank you for joining us. American History X. It ended up holding up three to one. Um, so that will always be the for all time. That's it. For all time. This is a definitive statement. Our shit cast. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So today we're going to be looking at Home for the Holidays. Does it hold up? 1995, right? Uh, film by Jodie Foster. Travis's selection. And at the end of the show, Eric Branstrom will make his choice for next week. We'll find out what will be on tap, which, you know, it is Thanksgiving. So I don't know. We might have to record on a different day. I don't care about Thanksgiving, really. Um but some people do, so we'll I'm, have to... I'm fine. We can record for the record. <laughs> Wait, you want to watch football? No. So what? <laughs> yeah, I don't even want to watch football. So I, I Just assume lions. you guys don't either. Yeah, uh, who cares? <laughs> Nothing matters. Anyways, yeah, so Eric will have his selection at the end of the show, and we'll do quarantine viewing picks, but, uh, you know, we're just kind of talking about society and stuff. You know, I watched Marathon Man for the first time, and we were just talking about it before we went live. I had never seen it, and... I didn't know what this whole is it secret, is it safe thing meant. And to me, I actually think Mar Marathon Man kind of created a genre. Like, it really, it's almost like the defining picture of, like, the conspiracy theory film. Like, unless you could think of a good one before that. Um, I kind yeah, of see no. it. The, mo the modern one, anyways. Like, Guy on the Run, the well, government's after him. Manchurian Candidate. Every Hitchcock movie in the 30s, 40s, and 50s. Yeah, I'm thinking from, like, a modern sense, though. There's something... So it's not exactly that premise. It's just the way it's done. That's all. I, I don't okay, know. You're, you're right, right. Michael. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. I'm correct. Uh, I don't know. It was like this guy's on the run. 
And like, it's just so typical now. It, to me, it like bred a whole bunch of bad movies that came after it. <laughs> and and so, some good ones. I like Enemy of the State. Yeah, yeah. I, I love Enemy of the State. 74. Uh, John Schlesinger, is he the filmmaker? Sounds right. I think so. Because he did, uh, I know he did Midnight Cowboy too. So that was two for two for a good old Dustin Hoffman. And he, yeah, there, it's been a long time, but that's a fucked up movie. There was a sequel to Midnight Cowboy? Uh, it's a terrible idea. No, 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 it wasn't a sequel. No, it was yeah, no sequel. Really fucked up movie. A follow up. I, 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 I jest. <laughs> oh, you jokester! By the way, Marathon Man was 1976, and yes, it was directed by John right. Schlesinger, and it also had another woman that I had just seen for the first time. So it blew my mind. But she was big in the 70s. She was the one who plays like his kind of lover, but she might be not with him. What's her name? Uh, shit. Martha Keller. Aren't you looking at IMDb? Okay. Yeah, I'm looking at it now. Martha Keller. I saw her in another movie that I forgot to mention a couple weeks ago called Black Sunday. Anybody ever seen this with Bruce no. Dern? 1977? Yeah. It's really quite bizarre. It's about a guy who wants to like blow up the Super Bowl, and it's like the oh. real Super Bowl. Yeah, it's based on a book. I've heard of this. Oh, okay, yeah. But they really... The thing that would ha never happen now, and this is what kind of sucks about where society's headed, is... In Black Sunday, they were filming the actual Super Bowl that really happened. And fucking Robert Shaw is running around the field while the game <laughs> he's acting while this real game is happening. It's so weird. No, it so never bizarre. would happen now. No. I just That's funny. Be, I just kind of missed that. I guess I don't know why we can't still have that kind of like connectivity, but you know, corporations and legalities and yada yada yada. So mm. what can I tell you? Uh gonna hey, make well, that uh, mind, son. Make that mind, son. Wow. That's a great line to move into our head. Quarantine viewing picks. You know, every week we recommend movies that we would like you to see, or we just share movies that we've been watching and give it a, give it a, you know, hey, you want to maybe check this out type of offering. <laughs> <laughs> no guarantees, but hey, Travis. Yeah. I, I assume you're out of quarantine. So have you been able to watch a fair amount of films this last week? Uh, yeah, I watched a few movies. I watched a few movies uh, aside from Home for the Holidays. I, uh, I I watched another Thanksgiving film because I figured I wanted to try and see what other Thanksgiving film fare there is out there. So I watched uh, Hulu's Into the Dark uh, Pilgrim, which was, um, you know, it's like I'm watching this movie. I'm like, it's, it's like a typical typical slasher and like three quarters of this movie. I'm pretty checked out. I'm like, eh, OK, whatever. And then the last day, like it's one of those, it came in at the end. It came in strong at the end. I'm like, whoa, all right. Uh, there was actually some mother vibes in a good way. <laughs> um, Chad Gibbons, big fan. Speaking of Chad Gibbons and speaking of mother, I watched his recommendation called Mother from, uh, oh, whoa. shit. What's his name? Bong Joon. Bong Joon Ho. Thank you. Uh, this was this was Chad's recommendation, uh, or one of his recommendations when he was on. And woof. Man, he thank you, Chad, for that recommendation. This is streaming on like everything that's not Netflix or or Amazon Prime. If you have like any of those other uh, streamers, check check out Mother. It is such an original whodunit, and it's just like mm. a perfect example of like a a, a well constructed film that like every single scene counts, every little moment counts. It's just like you just watch everything click into place, and it's really well done. Um, I watched his house, Netflix, Netflix's new um, horror offering, right. and I think it was pretty great. I um, it had some had some moments that weren't the best, but overall, I thought that it had, uh, as far as being a movie that, that that you know, horror saying things about modern times, like this is up there with like Get Out 
and uh, some of the well, maybe not quite as good as Get Out, but I mean, like, there's it's saying um, there's a lot going on there about uh, xenophobia and immigration mm-hmm. and, and and survivor guilt, and it's really a strong film. Um, so I, I would recommend that. Um, another Netflix offering I checked out was Holiday, which was what you expect, but. I, I liked it. <laughs> I liked it a lot more than I thought it would. And, and like, it's like this like during the, during the movie, they're like making movies. It's like, oh God, it's so awful. They're like making jokes about like, you know, Oh, romantic comedies or like emotional manipulation. And then like, and like, then of course they do all the things that you like, you know, they're going to do. And I'm like, Oh, and then I'm falling for it anyways. And I'm laughing <laughs> and I'm crying and I'm emotionally moved by the speech that is given in front of the involuntary audience at the end of the movie, like every uh-huh. fucking movie. Uh, sorry to ruin that, but it is a romantic comedy. Um, and then Classic. last but not least, uh, I watched, well, two last but not least. I watched Robo Vampire from 1988, <laughs> a Hong Kong film that was a ripoff of uh, RoboCop that um, wasn't quite as campy and as fun as I had hoped it was. The cover box is great. Uh, and last but not least, I, I revisited 1995's The, the Prophecy. Um, I had not seen this in a long time, and I was considering it to be on the podcast. And and then I kind of went like, eh, I don't know if it's really going to hold up. It probably won't. And I watched it. I'm like, dude, I, I might bring this one back. I was wow. I had not seen it since whew, the '90s, and um, there is, you know, there are some there are some flaws to this film, absolutely. But it is a rich, weird, dark, well acted, uh, you know, creep fest with a lot of fun actors. And if you haven't seen it in a while. I mean, it's basically starring Elias Coteus. What do you want? Yeah. Starring Elias. What Coteus. else you need? Right, and and Chris Walken. So, um, yeah, that 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 held up pretty damn well. Well, as we learned last week, a movie can have flaws and still hold up. So this is yeah. true. <laughs> <laughs> I aim for flawless in my feature yeah, film. Of course, yeah. I mean, that's the ultimate dream of this podcast is to bring to the table a flawless movie that cannot be refuted in any way. And I don't think we've had one officially yet. So, well, uh, by that same rationale, a movie can have Elias Coteus and not hold up, like at Pupil, which isn't good. But oh. almost an angel is good. So. <laughs> I see your Elias Coteus film, and I raise you <laughs> and fall in red line. <laughs> what about you know, Shooter is not that good. I never saw Shooter. <laughs> yeah, Elias Coteus gets his arm blown off. Spoiler alert. All right, uh, Eric. <laughs> not going to see it now. Like a very vulgar blowing off of the arm. It's very violent. All right, Eric Brandstrom. Sounds what do you got, man? What's going on in Griffith, Indiana? I watched two documentaries on musicians this week by pure Ooh. happenstance. I watched a fucking four-hour retrospective on the life of uh, Frank Sinatra on Netflix, directed oh. by Alex Gibney from Going Clear. I've never really cared for Frank Sinatra. There, I said it. I've always been like a Dean Martin kind of guy. And after sitting through this laborious life story i still really just do not care for the guys womanizing creep but he did win an oscar in 1946 for a short film that he made called the house i live in which was made to oppose anti-semitism at the end of world mm-hmm. war ii and mm-hmm. it's really fucking good so it's really good even though i don't care for this guy as an artist i mean it's a generational thing in my opinion uh, I have to applaud him for that because that was really something. No one was doing something like that, especially a mainstream artist, let alone a musician. So and that's not the only thing. Him. That's not the only thing he was doing by any stretch either. I mean, I mean, like, yes, he was say like he was friends with Sammy Davis Jr. and, and went on record saying racist shit to him. Yeah. But um, but he also he uh, he donated to I believe he was one of the donators to the the, Mar- the, Mil- the march in Washington. I believe. 
Uh, I know Bob Dylan was. Um, but he, but he's, you know, he opened a lot of doors for 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 people of color and and, and that kind of stuff at the time. For what it's worth, I mean, I don't know. He's, I don't think he should be too vilified. No, something no, happening here. Oh, okay, okay. Um, well, I watched my. Uh, That's funny. Buffalo Springfield. Anyway, um, I watched "Gimme Danger." It's the story of the Stooges by uh, Jim Jarmusch, uh, Iggy Pop's band. Uh, hmm. who's the Jim's- ugliest man in the world? Iggy Pop. They are like monsters. They're like fucking Fraggle Rock. I don't know. I don't know what the deal is with these guys. Uh, but yeah, Jim Jarmusch made this in 2014. He directs in his usual kind of sleepy way. So for a band that's like super manic, it's like a little slow paced and a little bit dull. But it is interesting to hear about like Detroit rock back in the late 60s when these bands were just like grinding it out in these filthy shitholes and putting in the work to get like <laughs> maybe one track on the charts. Um, I've always liked Iggy Pop's solo stuff more than the Stooges, but it is cool. There's some cool stories about Ann Arbor and the Blind Pig and some of Iggy with Velvet Underground and the MC5. It's worth it. It's on Amazon Prime. Hmm. Uh, Unhinged. I've been waiting for this movie to hit. Oh, Russell Crowe. Russell Crowe, dude. The premise, ever since I heard about this premise, you honk at the wrong guy, he gets pissed. You got to deal with him now. (laughs) I could not wait until it would hit VOD. It's fucking good. It really surprised me. Right. It's brutal as shit. It's lean. It's like 90 minutes. Russell Crowe is genuinely very, really creepy and fucking enormous. Um, yeah, so uh, check that out. It's a great thriller. The likes we haven't seen since like the trim like 90s thrillers, like uh, Changing Lanes and all that sort of stuff. Really <laughs> fun. <laughs> yeah, wow. Okay. Well, hey, uh, Derek Ferns joined the show. Hey, Derek. Hi. How's that bubble butt doing? You ripping farts on people? <laughs> Three cushions fan, no lights, no talk, 1030. <laughs> okay, interesting stuff. Uh, different. That's unusual for you, Eric. That was like a different kind of... Uh... Not a lot of documentaries that you always watch. I also yeah. watched all three seasons of Leah Remini's show on Scientology. It's oh. fucking unbelievable. Oh, yeah, I've seen some of that. It's good stuff. Huh. I want to watch that. Okay, Eric, cool. are you sure you didn't watch any awful movies that you can't explain why you watch them uh i'm gonna be talking about one soon but i'm not sure what you're getting at Travis. i feel like, I feel like you just showed your hand a little early but all right <laughs> oh boy interesting okay i can't wait to talk about home for the holidays uh as far as myself uh, started a new job i'm back on the working Congrats. scene He's I'm essential. out there I am an essential worker. I also work at a hotel. So new people come in all the times from all walks of life. Really it's nice a perfect place. It's a perfect place for COVID. It really yeah, is. It's going to be a better place. So, uh, Anyways, so I wasn't able to watch as many films, which is always sad for me because I was on a real tear the last you know, <laughs> yeah. six weeks or so. You know, I was... I was on fire, but uh, I did watch Coneheads. Remember the Coneheads? Yeah. yeah. What did you think? I really enjoyed it. I it's thought it funny. Was, it is. I thought it was going to be. I remember watching it a lot when I was 14, 15, and it was just something that was on. But I actually was like, wow, this is fun. Remember what I told you about the direction? Like every shot is really interesting and like just like visually entertaining. Yeah. And I'm still wondering how the hell they did that thing in the dental chair with John Lovitz. You know, he opens his <laughs> mouth, that mouth shot. You know, you've seen that mouth shot. He's got like 10,000 teeth. I'm like, wow, that looks real. It's pretty impressive. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just saying. Anyway, so I watched Conan's. It was fun. Always good to see Chris Farley. 
I don't believe that Chris Farley would be a guy. Oh, uh, whatever. I don't have to go there. Anyways, uh, that was also Michelle Burke's first movie, just for the record. A little trivia. A little fun. And I haven't seen Jane Curtin. When's the last time you saw Jane Curtin? Anybody seen Jane Curtin? Is she still alive? She, she's alive, uh, as far as I know. I don't know. Keep going. I'll look her up. You keep talking. Okay, yeah, it's been a while. I haven't seen her in a minute. But yeah, Conan's is fun. Go back and check it out. Phil Hartman, John Lovitz, Dave Thomas, a bunch of comedy classics in there. Uh, I went back. I don't know if this counts as a movie or not, but I'm going to She's working. It. She's hey! working. Sorry. She, she's on Jane TV. Curtin's still working. All kinds of TV shows, just ones we don't watch. Movies, movies we don't watch. The Spy Who Dumped Me, she was in that. That was a, a successful film. I didn't watch it, but she was in it. Is that with the... Uh... With people, uh, what's her name? Uh, the girl from Saturday Night Live, Kate McKinnon, Mila Kunis, Justin, oh. Kate McKinnon, uh, Kate McKinnon. Yeah, you're Yay! right. Okay, thanks. Good, it was terrible. Anyways, that's all right. You know, sometimes people do stupid <laughs> movies, uh, it happens, <laughs> it certainly does. So, okay, this is I'll be interested in your guys' take on this if it's a movie or not. Uh, but I watch Eddie Murphy's delirious comedy stand up special. Mm-hmm. This is a film. I mean, if we talk about documentaries. I don't see no reason why we wouldn't talk about it's a, it's a filmed hilarious. concert. So, yeah, 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 for sure. Okay. Well, there you go. Anyways, I haven't watched it in a long time. And I'll tell you, what, <laughs> uh, uh, talk about does it hold up or not? This is. Um, is, it, is it edgy? Is it controversial? Does he say anything? <laughs> I don't, who is this? That people Eddie wouldn't like now? The guy from the Haunted no. Mansion? <laughs> yeah, that guy from Pluto Dad, and Ed. Daddy Daycare. That guy. I like him. <laughs> Oh boy, yeah. Okay. Well, this is not Daddy Daycare Eddie Murphy, yeah. But uh it's funny. There's some funny stuff that's so funny, but there's some things that may have to be put to bed. And oh. we'll leave it at that. So um, but it was cool to go back in time. It like he gives you a lot of access. I kind of like it. Like it's like backstage and nobody's like putting on airs or anything. It's I know it's kind of cool to see because it's so old now, too. So I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the experience overall. Uh that was a good time. I watched it, I've never seen this before, and this might come back down the road. The long good Friday. I had never seen The Long Good Friday with Bob Hoskins. This is an, a British gangster movie from 1980, and it's fucking fantastic. I had never heard of this. And I'm like, I'm thrilled. I'm so glad that this is a part of my life now. And it's got a great soundtrack or theme, too. It's like really 80s-ish and like on edge. More kind of like on edge, like a marathon man style. But it's like a British gangster com- uh, adventure thriller thing. So. Okay. Really good. Yeah, I really liked that. And that was a recommendation from Luke. Thank you, Luke, for that wonderful recommendation. And uh, I think that was about it. Uh, you know, it was a slow. Oh, I. Wiki laughs. Are you going to. Dude, what are you. I watched. We can't. We, can't, we don't know what you're laughing at, Mike. I watched. <laughs> Do you? I wonder if you guys remember this. I watched Follow That Bird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, I saw that shit in theaters. You know, did I? So did I. Yes. After I, I could. Wow, I had truly not seen that since I saw it in the theater when I was a kid. This is like 1985. This movie, yeah. a Sesame Street movie. <laughs> it was terrible, but boy, it really took me back because I watched that Santa <laughs> oh, Claus shit. movie. Like I said, yeah, I did. I, the Santa Claus movie from last week got me going like, what else did I see in the theater in 1985 or 86? And it was basically that movie, Santa Claus movie and the Transformers, the movie. Those are like the three movies I remember seeing in the theater around that time. So that was uh, well, that was weird. It was, it, it'll, uh, it'll do something to you. I'd also had never seen this boy's life. I had never seen it. 
And, how did uh, me was... revisit? How how did it hold up? Or how was it rather for you? Uh, you know, it was all right. It was okay. You know, it's like it's solid De Niro, and I don't know. It's okay. It's okay. okay. But all I'd right. be curious to see what you think. It could be better. I'm not saying it's bad. It's just I I haven't know. seen it since it was new. I mean, I I, I just read an article the other day that talking about uh, Leonardo DiCaprio like screaming in Robert De Niro De Niro's face during his audition, um, <laughs> like which, which wasn't scripted. That was partly why he got the the role. And, uh, and I was like, oh yeah, Leonardo DiCaprio was in that movie. I had no recollection of that. Like I, it's been that long since I've seen it. Wow. Okay. Yeah. It's 93, I believe. It's been a while. Uh, and I watched. Uh, I don't believe I mentioned this, and I wanted to make sure I mentioned it. This was a couple weeks ago. I watched Find Me Guilty. <laughs> <laughs> no, you didn't mention it. Lumet. That was Lumet? Lumet? Yeah. It, it was like Lumet. one of his last. It was the second to last. I think that Before the Devil Knows You're Dead was his last. And yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, wow. Fucking That's... Vin Diesel is the main guy. With hair. Uh, with, like, yeah, a, lot, a fair amount of hair, some baldingness. He plays an Italian mafioso, and it's really strange movie. It's, it's not good. It was not good. It was not good. I'm not recommending it, but it does exist. And I wanted to know because some people told me it was good. Like, dude, you got to see Vin Diesel in that Lumet movie. He really takes on a new <laughs> angle. That's not the case. So just be Groot. Be Groot and be fine. It's so bizarre that Sidney Lumet did this movie because it just seems like um, like a made-for-cable, like a TNT comedy. Like the, the quality that, I mean, like everything about it. I'm just like, it's amazing to me that he did this. That is so true. I completely agree with that. You nailed it. It is. Yeah, it's like, what? What is this? Why? All right. So, yeah. So, a uh, slow week for me. Hopefully, it'll be better next time. All right. Uh, we do enjoy hearing from you. So, if you want to email the show, cinnamon9pod at protonmail.com, please do so. We'd like to hear from our friends like Derek Fern, who emails the show on occasion. Thanks, Derek. We appreciate your concepts. Remember, we did the John Cusack breakdown. Thanks to Derek a few weeks back. That was fun. And, of course, you can follow the show. Cinema Nine Pod and all the wonderful social media platforms. And I think that's it. Okay, great. Cool. Oh, yeah. You could give us five stars on Apple. That's always fun. I mean, you don't have to. Unbelievable. We're just asking. We're not saying you have to, but uh, it could be cool, you know. All right. So I think uh, we're getting right into it. It is time for us to find out does it hold up home for the holidays? 1995 film directed by Jody Foster. Russell, you get right over here and take an eggnog break. And look, look who's home for the holidays. Wow, this is working. Oh, come on, I'm going to see it. I want to see it. I want to see it. No, no, no. Go out. Hi, hi, Claudia. Hello, Russell. God. Hiya. Whoa, whoa. Mm, good. <laughs> you work for the... There's something you've got to see. What? Yeah, it's my own company. Oh, no, I don't think I'm going to see this. Oh, sure. I'm just letting the guys have a day off, you know, so they can visit their family since I'm all alone this year. This is the saddest sack in the universe. Yeah, and I don't have anybody anymore. My brother and sister got canned and they left town and then my parents went and died on me. I'm so sorry. I had no idea. Yeah, well, you know, it was a car wreck. It was last summer. Drunk driver. He... Cut right across the, uh, how was that, you know, uh, the meridian. And pow, pow, head on. Yeah. So, like I said, I don't have anybody anymore, really. Uh, nowhere to go, you know, today. Uh, no family or nothing. Um, but I guess uh, everybody sort of needs me, you know. 
I mean, everybody needs heat, right? Huh? <laughs> oh, yeah. You know? <laughs> and uh, they're counting on somebody to be there, and hey, that's me today. <laughs> mm. See? But, 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 um, what, what, um, she, didn't you have a girlfriend, or? Yeah, she went married my best buddy, right? <laughs> oh. oh. You look, uh, you still look so beautiful, Claudia. Oh. God, I do not. Ah, you do, too. <laughs> well, I guess, uh, well, this was nice. Yeah, it was nice. Kind of glad your friends acted out, huh? <laughs> You know, maybe next year will be better for you. Hey, yeah, or, uh, or worse. <laughs> hey, Tommy. Hey, Russell. How are you, hey, how you doing? How uh, about them Panthers, huh? What? Three big ones, huh? Oh, my God. That's like big winner. Same time, huh? Insert the rapid russet root drum intro of the of the movie which uh like it's it's funny to me that russet root like opens this movie because i i've loved this movie since i saw it but like i hated rusted root growing up i fucking hated rusted root so much and i always would, like i would like fast forward through the opening and stuff uh things change i goddamn love rusted root now i mean like not even just uh before i woke but like like multiple albums i listen to them i can't explain it the drummer is one of my favorite drummers out there go figure wow. things change that's that sounds about right, actually. I don't know why, yeah. but it makes sense. Um, Russell Root was something we ripped on profusely as teenagers. Oh, yeah. So. I thought that they were so silly, and now I think that the, the shit. Like, we made people feel bad because they liked Russell Root. It was completely unnecessary, and uh, it did happen. But, yeah, so I actually fast-forwarded through that. I was like, oh, God, okay, come on, come on, come on. <laughs> you can't do oh, that. Why? Because it's like... Just, oh, scenery and so like, I actually really like the intro, sexy paint, because um, for me it, it, it because okay, I'm, this is this is my feelings about the intro, um, which is that you know Jodie Foster is an actor obviously, and she's an actress director, and mostly what she's doing with this movie is just kind of like setting the camera up and letting people go and giving them all this freedom. There's a, there's tons of improv improvisation that's going on. Um, and and so she's she's really like an actress director, but she also like takes that opening sequence to show like, hey, if I wanted to, I could get super art artsy and like she's like showing the art really like in a weird way. And like um, so it's actually I mean, I, I like it. I think it's an artful scene and a nice introduction, but I can understand someone being impatient with it, especially if they are not, say, a Rusted Root fan. <laughs> hmm. Okay. Yeah, so that's interesting. Well, of course, uh, I never saw this movie, so I don't have anything to fall back on. But Travis, you're the one who chose this movie, so we know it's close to your heart. There's no secret there. I think it's okay to reveal that. Mm, um, it's true. Did Did you see this in the mid '90s or was it I, later? I saw it, I saw it in theaters. I, I went uh, with I went with my aunt Becky and my uh, brother and sister, and I had some bathroom issues. I was stuck in there for much of the movie. In fact, so I didn't need to share that. But like, if I'm Gonna talk about the first time I saw the movie. I might as well just be honest. Um, but I and I and I I liked it okay. Actually, now that I, I said a minute ago that I loved it since I've seen it, but I thought it was okay when I first saw it. But it's one of those that um, somehow we you know we ended up with a copy of it around the house. Probably my mom's ex boyfriend who you know pirated all those movies I've mentioned on the show before, and uh, and it became one that like 
I mean, I've just, I've just watched it religiously. I just, I just, I just watched it over and over again. As I'm watching the movie, like there's so many lines and quotes that like, just little things that like I do and say that I kind of, it didn't even really, th like if I catch something, I'm like, it is a score, it is a score because Robert Downey Jr. says that at one point in the movie, like just little things like that that just like seeped into my, uh, my, my life. So obviously um, a big fan of the movie. Um, and I'm excited to hear what you guys think of it, especially Eric, because you clearly dislike it, as you've made. Uh oh, clear. <laughs> wait a minute, wait, wait, wait. Well, hey, let's uh, you know, let's not stop with okay. the Taco Bell before the diarrhea. You know, let's slow down and give Eric his due, because Eric, you probably saw this film before tonight or even the last week, right? The only thing I knew about this film was that for the past 25 years, Travis always talks about how much he loves it. <laughs> so I had never seen it until uh, recently. So do I have a lot to say? Yes. Am I a little bit scared to say a lot of it? Absolutely. You say but, whatever uh, you think, Eric. I'm going to speak my mind this evening and just think, uh, uh, hope that I can get my opinion out there in a way that is respectful and that makes some logical sense. I'm leaving. Let's fuck this. Oh, no. Oh, no. Wow. <laughs> a sudden turn of events. I got to tell you, folks, that's shocking. No, uh. Eric, we've never seen it. Neither one of us have. No, that's fine. No, we haven't. That's okay. But now we have. So no story to look back on. I do remember this movie came out though. I, I do recall it because it was. I thought it was until you just said twenty minutes ago, Travis, that it was Jodie Foster's directorial debut, and I kind of remember locking that in my head erroneously. Apparently, <laughs> me so too. Yeah, that's my mistake. I apologize for that. But that's it. I remember being around. It must have come out around this uh, Thanksgiving, anyways, or the holidays. It did. Yeah, it came out early November of, of 95. Okay. Yay! See, that makes sense to me. Okay. Uh, I haven't looked at the score on this one, so I'm going to jump in on the score for the IMDb score, and I'm going to say... Well, maybe I don't. Maybe I shouldn't go first. Travis, you looked at. You probably know I, it by heart. I haven't. No, I, I, oh. I know the IMDb score by. I don't. I have no idea what it is. It just seems like something you. You know, you're into a movie. You cover everything about. I don't know. Look, it's that a ten. Work. It's a ten in my heart, but I'm gonna guess it's probably like a five eight. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, you said that first, so I'm gonna say a five nine. That was my a gut instinct. What about you, Eric. I think I, I, I couldn't help it. I had to look. I, I think I'm pretty familiar with the fact that it's in the mid-sixes, if I'm remembering correctly. Six you are six. correct. Wow. All right. And you know well, what? I'm going to rate it right now while I've got it up. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations. 6.6. .6. Not bad. Okay. And then over on the Rotten Tomato side of things, which is the final say in all movie ratings, Yes. 60, 63% from the... Uh, critics just fresh enough it's still fresh 63 percent um audience score 72 they like it even more we've had a, had a bit of a run of that lately we have you've had a, yeah that's true it seems to be the the standard issue now we all want to know what the critics think and we're dying to know what uh destin thompson mm -hmm. said so i'm, I'm really Destin's. hoping he i hope he reviewed this movie because if he didn't I don't know. It's going to take some of the wind out of my sails. It feels like a real Dessen kind of film, man. I don't know. <laughs> well, we were. Yeah, does it? Okay. <laughs> I am not able to find it. And actually, the, the reviews are somewhat limited in terms of how many pages of reviews there are. So I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but let's give a couple. Susan Stark, our own Detroit News, gave it three out of four stars. And Susan Wolschzina from the USA Today said, with her keen actor's instincts, Foster piles on plenty of her terrific cast to chew on and for us to savor. 
<laughs> okay. What, what is it? It kind of goes with what Travis was saying. Like, yeah, I, I don't. Go, just go ahead and start talking, dude. You've got so much you want to say. Get it off your chest so we can get it out of the fucking way. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Let's give Roger Ebert's comment. Roger Ebert says the movie, which is about the Thanksgiving family reunion from hell. It's <laughs> not exactly a comedy, and yes, it's not a drama either. He must, he must not have a family. I found it to be a very uh, realistic depiction of a thing. Yeah, you're right. Like, he, actually, you're right. Yeah, you're totally right. Like many, it's not over. The you know these reviews go forever. Like many family reunions, it has a little of both elements, which would imply that maybe he knows what that's about, and the strong sense that madness is being held just out of sight. Wow. Again, Roger Ebert, quite long-winded. So, yeah, anyways, not uh, the best Ebert review that we—that was not the best Ebert review we've had on here. But uh, I mean, oh, well, I, don't, <laughs> I don't know that it made sense. Like, I'm not sure I understood it. But uh, yeah, I know that one left me perplexed. Okay, last one. Peter <laughs> Travers, Peter Travers, well-known uh, critic from Rolling Stone, says, "Splat Foster keeps the party <laughs> hopping, although more dark humor would have helped before she winds it down with sentiment and bromides, bromides." uh bromides yeah that's he got that's me there 10 point word right there it's what i've read but never said wasn't uh i know there's an element called like brome bromine bromine or something Not, anyway. yeah that's it's something else now i gotta look it up god damn it <laughs> <laughs> don't even know if he i'm said, saying it right he said he wanted uh, more dark humor when on that note by the way i would agree with him i thought this thing could have got more ridiculous darker uh more twisted trite and unoriginal <laughs> oh okay well eric come on we want to hear from you give us something just get, yeah just i know go ahead i like i don't know where to jump in i mean I've, I've got a lot to say but like i let's hear it man just give it to us straight both barrels i fucking hated this movie i thought it there was it fucking terrible why did you why did you watch it twice then I had to make sure that I wasn't just like too tired or just in a bad mood, but well, I confirmed I that. it was even worse okay. the second time I saw it. I'm sorry, Travis. Right. You know I respect you and I love you, and we agree on almost. I, every I didn't movie. make this movie. It's okay. I know, I know, but you know how I get about these sort of things. Um, this is a goddamn mess. It's 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 so ugly and mean-spirited to the point that I, I couldn't even enjoy it even as like a dysfunctional family comedy movie. I ugly hated all of the fucking characters. They were all a bunch of dicks. Even I was, I was sitting there wishing I was watching Margot at the wedding. Every character just pissed me off with their <laughs> annoying eccentricities. Every line was irritating. Even when it tried to get tender, it just came off as just insincere, clunky, jumbled nonsense from a um egotistical director whose first film i didn't even like and whose second film was even worse i i, I i'm sorry <laughs> when it okay. rains it pours <laughs> <laughs> i said unload so my take on the Larsons is the complete fucking opposite. I want Funko Pops of these people. I love these characters. I want to spend time with them. Like every time I put this movie in, I feel like I'm going home a little bit myself. I I, I enjoy. I mean, now I don't like Joanne, for instance, um, the the sister that gets the tongue the turkey dumped on her and her husband the goot. Um, you know, I don't like Walking everyone. Goot. I don't like everyone in in, uh, in the family, but I, I I love the performances. I love the authenticity of the performances. I love watching Charles Durning dance. Um, I you know I, I I I love this movie. I love these characters, but you know um, I don't love you anymore. 
So <laughs> well, while it lasted, all good things. You are a you um, are a bromide motherfucker. <laughs> uh, wow. I'll, I'll backtrack a bit. I'm going to take one step back. <laughs> you don't, uh, I'm kidding, dude. You're not a motherfucker, but you are a little bromide. <laughs> okay. Um. Well, I mean, I'm attacking it, but I I am right in my opinion. Uh, this was <laughs> a chore to sit through. It was so fucking fragmented and irritating. I did like Anne Bancroft and to a lesser extent Charles Durning, but I thought I just felt bad for Anne Bancroft putting this great performance amongst all this nonsense. You got Bob Downey Jr. trading in his charm for this cocaine-fueled nonsense. He's an absolute dick. I don't know what, what there is to like about this guy. I wanted to punch him, and I've never wanted to punch Robert Downey Jr. before in my entire life. He uh, makes yeah, fun I completely of agree with that, by the way. Of his sister naked for laughs. He, he just makes fun oh, of yeah, her. He makes fun of David Strathairn for he's saying that like his life is sucks. He's like trying not to laugh at this fucking guy's misfortune. I that fucking That seems fucking it. hilarious. Whatever, dude. Get off your high horse. But uh, also, I'd like to just jump in real quick and say that this was one of the first movies that, that Robert Downey Jr. did when he got clean, when he came back. Um, this was this. So he was not it was not a coke fueled uh, uh, party. He was on heroin the entire time. Jodie Foster said so. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. No, I thought he doesn't even remember, remember making this movie. Uh, well, he also said that it was uh, an opportunity for him to improvise, and it uh, got him back into acting. So that I was the problem. Jodie Foster needed to no one to turn off the camera instead of just letting all these actors do what they want to. Probably because she doesn't get to do what she wants to when she's an actor. So she's just like, everyone, go nuts. Let's just have fun and be artistic. Well, I, I, uh, I did have a, a problem with the with the RDJ in this film. It, it did get on my nerves. Like it reminded me of. I, I had the same thought, Eric. Like, can we just like. Can you just like get I, okay? So he's fucked up on drugs. I didn't know that. Okay, well that's unfortunate. But couldn't he have? Could, is there a time where like he could just be turned inward and I don't know. I just feel like I've seen this performance from him so many times and it gets tiresome to me. And I I like him. I do. I like him as an actor. I do. And when he does things that are not who he is, I really enjoy that. It's not that I don't like who he is either. It's not what I'm saying. I just I agreed with what Eric said, except for the coke fueled thing. Um, but it, what I had that same response, Travis. I mean, I was like, "Oh God, we're doing this well, again." The yeah, quick army. I felt like we're watching Wonder Boys again. Oh well, I mean, like, I mean, like, yeah, he's Robert Downey Jr. in the '90s. He's gonna kind of do Robert Downey Jr. So sorry, but um, I, I, I do agree that there are moments where he's smarmy and difficult, and like, yeah, taking pictures of your sister is like not okay. Um, <laughs> you know, there's there's a bunch of stuff that he does that's like fucked up and wrong in the movie, and that's partly what i like about the movie it's partly what i like about the character i mean um 1995 homosexual characters were pretty hands-off and this is a very up close um and uh realistic depiction of a homosexual man in my opinion and um and it would have been really easy to sugarcoat this character and and make him uh just like a perfect little angel and instead he's a very nuanced and and real and flawed individual who is sometimes right and sometimes wrong and as far as having moments where he slows down and needs to like just stop the scene where he goes to get Adele and Claudia out of the closet the the pantry and she stops and they're, and they're talking to each other and he tries to slow her down. He's like, he's like, you drive me crazy with your bad hair, but I like your mom, you know, and he kind of like tries to, you know, and he tries to slow down there. And that moment when it's again, this is more Anne Bancroft's moment than his, but like his reaction shots are important um, when she tells him that, you know, even as a little kid, you never wanted us to be too close. 
like oof like every time I, that that scene just like it lays waste to me hmm. i will say i laugh my ass off when he's dri- <laughs> he's driving back and forth in the background while she's talking to the homecoming queen yeah. that made me laugh i got a good hearty laugh out of that <laughs> yeah so it's, not, I, I, it's not all I, one or I, the other either just another example of everything he does is just him being a jerk and rude and just a dickhead. I mean, there's a difference between being silly and then having like funny, uh, like wry, wistful dialogue that's smart and like enjoyable. This is just him acting like a jerk for two hours. I don't get it. Is it? And like, yes, this is 1995. We don't have a lot of gay characters. But why does he have to just act like a fucking asshole? Is it because he's insecure? Is it that he's given up that his family's refused to accept him for who he is? Why does he have to be a dick? Yeah, some fleshing out. That'd be interesting. I, I mean, you definitely I, get a, you get a sense of some of that with, with you get a sense of some of that with Joanne. I mean, uh, his sister calls him a pervert and says, you know, people are gonna people people you kissed him on the lips in front of everybody. Like her her response in 1995 was not far fetched. That was a that's a realistic reaction. That's how people were acting in 1995 at the thought of gay marriage. Um, yeah. So um. So yeah, he definitely had had some uh some reactions. But I mean, again, like I, the movie's not about fucking Robert Downey Jr. We're awfully hung up on him here. We barely I talked know. about Holly Hunter, the star of this movie, who is so- gorgeous talented and owns every scene that she's in uh so i, I don't i don't you know I, I, all this time is spent on robert Downey jr let's maybe try and redirect oh, the I, actual story i can the i can trash every other character in this movie and why they're so horribly written and sometimes <laughs> all right acting. go ahead i love holly hunter all right i've always loved her she's so unique and she's got this she's got like a quality that no one has or ever probably will have um her first scene, I don't, what the fuck is going on with her? Is she stoned? Is she, like, stupid? Is she flirting? It, it, her character makes no sense to me from the, from the first scene. She's, a, she's a woman. Dude, she's a woman in crisis. She's, having, she's going through a midlife crisis. She's in her early 40s. She, she starts the movie saying, hey, for years now, literally, I have felt like my job has been a waste of my time in life. And today, of all days, I've finally had like this moment, this epiphany where I feel like the art is speaking to me and that my life has purpose again and that this is all good. And it's all just me and this and that. And then she gets fired in that moment. So she's feeling a little loopy. They introduce the fact that she's a a painter and she repairs things that were once beautiful. I'm hoping, oh, we got some symbolism here. It's never really brought up again. She her her quest, her character arc has nothing to do with her like returning back to her original passion of art. It's just tossed in there to have her act silly in this first scene. It's well, no, it's uh, it's about her life falling apart and literally the fact the the whole there's there's two main themes of this movie, and they're 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 repeated as nauseum. Ad nauseum. One, nothing makes any sense, and and, and two, which I which I'll take I take comfort in that, and and two, pick yourself up, dust yourself off, start all over again. That's that's what the or movie's about. Find and, and a guy with it's not about returning to what and blue eyes and have him save you. It's not. It's, <laughs> It's not about um, it's not about uh, going back to the passion that you had in your youth. It's about finding a new step forward. Hmm. Well, I can get on board with that. I like that idea. I agree. Uh, by the way, listen to the Cinnamon Eye podcast. We're talking about 
Home for the Holidays, 1995 film directed by Jodie Foster, starring a multitude of people, David Strathern, Steve Gutenberg, and Bancroft, Charles Durning. I mean, old man Durning playing the organ, having a good old time, making weird, you know, <laughs> prayer comments during the, what do they call that? Say grace. Right. Jesus, I don't even know what they call yeah. it. <laughs> Say grace. Uh, yeah. Uh, home for the holidays. So that's what we're talking about here on the Cinnamon Eye Podcast. Does it hold up? Send us an email, cinnamonidepod, protonmail.com. Are we crazy? Have you seen this film? Uh, is it the best Thanksgiving film that ever lived? Let us know. So, yes, Holly Hunter deserves more praise, Travis. Uh, she does a great job in this film. She does. Uh, I assume this is a bio, you know, biograph, autobiographical thing for Jodie Foster in some sense. In, you... in part, yeah. It's based on a, a short story that was apparently pretty um, sparse and... Uh, her and the screenwriter filled it in and made it somewhat autobiographical about her and her life. Yeah. A combo. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. makes sense. Like yeah. she's Jody, Jody. She's not Jodie Foster per se, but there might be a little bit of Jodie Foster in the Holly Hunter character. I would, cause she's not yeah. a, she's not a painter. Jodie Foster is an actress, but whatever it's art. So uh, I thought Holly Hunter does a great job in this. And I love seeing David Strathern show up. Uh, I assume this was just like a, they just done the firm and they're like, hey, let's do another yeah. movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's the first um, thing I thought of when Straithern showed up on screen. I'm like, oh, the firm part. Yeah, two. I'd, I'd, I'd like to get into Straithern, but first I, I, I had more to say about Holly Hunter. Uh, just in that, um, what I love, one of the things I love most about this movie are these little moments that, that she's given. Like when she finds out that she's fired, she walks out and we see her in profile and she just kind of stands there, opens her mouth, sticks her tongue out, and then puts it back in and starts walking, which is something that. I think it's a very like believable, weird, quirky thing for a person to do. Like the the moment when she's like in the when her when uh, Claire Danes, her daughter, finally calls and she's like on the phone and the cord gets stuck in the door and then she's like like jammed up against the door because now the cord's a lot shorter than it was. Like I I, I love these little moments like that. But I but obviously I love this movie. Yeah. I love I love the chip paint on the doorknob in that scene. So I mean that's that's how I feel about the movie. So Eric, yeah, do you have any other thoughts? Takes you back. Yeah, I'm sure he does. <laughs> I'm trying to take, take some deep breaths. All right. It takes me back I, to the nineties. I'm sorry. What... I get I get fired up. All right. I'll take and a couple you of should deep breaths. Get fired up. I like when the Claire Deans came it's along. Fine. I was like, okay, I can deal with this. We're going to have uh, – it's going to be a generational thing. We're going to see how the young daughter who has uh, not been influenced by this upbringing can react to these. No, she's gone throughout the whole movie. And, I, you know, I'm hoping she comes back, maybe says, I dish my boyfriend. I actually do love my family, unlike all you assholes. And she's going to bring something, you know, maybe touching – or, or, you know, maybe a little sentimental to things and ground everyone. But no, there's nothing like that. She just no, runs there off. Is. The you, just, just you, just, you just didn't notice it. It's there. It's it's, <laughs> it's, it's her telling. It's 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 not. She doesn't need to come to the fucking family dinner. She, sure she, she does. Why? Because she can have something to offer all of the other miserable motherfuckers, not just her mother, about, you know, what love and life and youth okay. and like. Well, at, at any rate, the, that, that the purpose sure. of her in the in the sure. movie is 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 just float, right? That that's the other me one of the other messages of the movie. Um, before Finding Nemo, Claire Danes was telling us to just float and and remember the fishes. Float, and be a fish, be a fish, and float. Well, they got get, such a get, cute yeah, thing going on. Get along. I, mean, I I actually really like their relationship. I like the like the immediate re mother daughter reversal of roles. That like as soon as she gets in the car, like um like it, she's telling her mom like No, you're going. You know you, you're you can't like you're not getting out of this. You're going to the airport. And like she's telling her what's what. And they have like this honest relationship where like. And she's like, like, oh, I'm gonna have sex with Tim. It's time, and we're like, you know, we're ready. And and Holly Hunter just like, 
okay, which she's not like thrilled about that, but, but they have the kind of relationship where they can be that open and honest. Um, yeah. I, I, I like the authenticity of their interactions. I actually really like the aunt character. What aunt uh, Gladdy? Is that her name? Gladdy. Yeah. Who was a 50 year old woman. She's just like a few, just a few years older than, than Hallie Hunter at the time. Yeah. Uh, is it that? Uh, it's weird. That's the whole Chaplin connection, right? Because Charlie, he played Chaplin, and this is his granddaughter, right? That's uh, his daughter. Oh, it's his daughter. Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah, Geraldine Chaplin. Okay, Ger so Geraldine Ger Chaplin. Yeah, so that's kind of a fun little connection because uh, for those of you who don't know, Robert Downey Jr. played Chaplin in 1992, and uh, it was a good movie, by the way. I like that movie. Anyways, I, I just liked her. She's ripping farts and uh, you know all kinds <laughs> of dumb shit. It's great. Did you did you like how they uh, poked fun and made early onset dimension a consistent punchline throughout her entire performance? Well, is that, is that all you you're either gonna cry or laugh. I mean, what are you gonna <laughs> look? <laughs> I, I I I dementia runs through my family. I've had to deal with it. Uh, I probably will get it. And um, one of the things that I like about this movie is the depiction of early on, <laughs> early onset dementia, because oh. because it's it's these little like I think she's very humanized. I think she's a believable character. For one, she she's still self sufficient. She's taking care of herself. She's feeding all of her plants. Um, for, and for two, Over like two hundred, yeah. For two, she's. I don't think that she's just paid played for laughs. I think she's a very tragic character. Um, that whole like she where she did she not have where she not riddled with dementia. She would not take Thanksgiving dinner to admit her love for her sister's husband for like forty five years or whatever. And then that that moment when like things when she like turns, she's like, I was a I was a Latin teacher. And it's like, oh okay. And the tension gets broken and everything goes back to normal and everyone starts eating again. And then we see her face and she's like seeing everybody forget what she's remembering and what she just told them. And uh it's just so sad. Yeah. What do you think that's, that, what I that's what I love about this movie. I'm sorry, but that's what I love about this movie. Is for me, I will literally like laugh and be emotionally moved to almost tears or actually to actual tears, like within 30 second intervals. Like it'll, it'll have me like doing both. Uh, I mean, it's a great point. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I'm like, I'm like trying to move a boulder here. I think uh, I, I fucking really? say it. I, I don't know what to say. I mean, like when I when I see her say like, "Oh, it's Fruit Loops," and they're like rolling their eyes and snickering at each other, like, "Hey, isn't she fucking crazy and stupid?" Like, I just get annoyed. But if it touches you, I'm very happy about that. But this is this. Let's talk about this for a second, and maybe I'm wrong, because I have this same thing, and so does Eric. I know Eric has it too. We all have movies that become a part of us too. It's more, it's more than just a film after a while, and this is one for Travis. I have films that I've. That would make me cry and laugh in multiple modes every minute or two as well. And they could pull you in different directions like this. And But then someone else will see it for the first time, especially if it's like two decades old, and it won't have the same effect on them. And I think I think that is worth mentioning here because that, that's why we're doing this too, in a sense. I assume – what what was the real reason you brought this up, Travis? Because you've seen this movie a million times, so you know in your own heart whether it holds up or not. Or was it the fact that you've seen it so many times, you're so ingrained in it, you want to get other people's opinions on does it actually hold up? Um. So, it, yeah, it's one I've seen uh, just a million times, uh, like I've said. and yeah. um, But it has been – like for me, usually I watch it once or twice a year usually. And um, the last 
four or five years I've not watched it. So it had been a while for me, for by my standards, since I'd seen it. So I was due to watch it, and I felt like it would um, it would just kind of like with, like with other movies that I've watched, like partly I want to be like, you know, does it hold up for me? <laughs> you know, I, and also I, I really wanted to share this movie with my friends. Oh, <laughs> oh God. Nice. <laughs> another rough night for old uh, E. Albert. I can't wait for the text that will be pouring in as soon as the show ends oh, from Eric. Yeah, guys, guys, I'm Absolutely so will. Absolutely. I'm going to have to watch it again tonight now. God <laughs> damn it. You don't. Please don't. If you don't like it, you don't like it. Once, I mean, when you started it, this thing saying that you found them to be like bitter and like, uh, et cetera, I'm like, oh, okay. I don't know what your family was like, but good for you. I that guess. might be the thing because like I love like the holidays. I love going to see my family like so much. Like it's not weird. They're not, we don't fight. There's none of that. So seeing this, it's probably just really stressful on me and, and, it makes me just think negatively about being with my family. So I'm just like, so, but, just <laughs> but that blows my mind because I love my family to fucking death. And I think that Claudia Larson loves her family to fucking death. Like, like that's to me, that's part of the point. Like, like, of course we're dysfunctional, all relationships when you put decades upon decades upon them and that kind of uh, weird dynamic and uh, in intimacy, they're going to get fucked up. Maybe like, you know, maybe they don't seem fucked up to you, but I promise uh, put a camera on them and they might look a little weird to people on the outside. And um, I think that, and that to me is again like one of the joys of the movies. It, it, I feel like it's like I'm watching like an like to me this movie makes me think of a Quentin Tarantino esque hangout film. We're hanging out with the Larsons for for Thanksgiving Day for Thanksgiving, <laughs> and uh, obviously that's not for everyone. And you can just press stop and not watch it a second or third or fourth time, or spend four hours watching a documentary about Frank Sinatra when you don't even like him. Like what the fuck, dude? <laughs> Eric, Eric takes his craft seriously and he wants to be sure. And I. We'll commend you on that, Eric. You are a man with impeccable uh, integrity when it comes to film analyzation and True. breakdowns. And it's I, by the way, Sean Hatosi shows up in this film. Yeah, yeah, real quick, Sean Wayne Hennessy. Uh, yeah. He gets yeah, yelled at. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh hey, it's outside Providence. Hey, do do. Hey, do do. <laughs> I love that movie. Maybe we'll watch that movie soon. Anyways, this is for me. Maybe I'm the guy in. Well, I think we might be in three areas here because. I'm part of what Travis's is, but I'm not fully where Travis is at in terms of my. First of all, you do have a big family, Travis. I think that's oh, fair yeah, to say, right? I have an enormous family. Yeah, you do. You have a large family. I have a very small family, so that part doesn't connect to me. But the, some of the things that happen in this movie are things that I've experienced at holidays. So I, so I'm with you on that. I don't agree with what Eric's saying in that. Like these are the worst people ever. So they're just people. It doesn't even have to be the holidays. Let, let me let me give you uh, a couple of moments in the film between the characters of Adele and Claudia and Bancroft at her fucking top-notch finest, I think. Um, yeah. All right, so yeah. why does she bring a coat to the airport? It's November in Baltimore. Of course, her daughter is going to be cold, so she brings a coat because her daughter needs a coat. She knows her daughter is irresponsible and the kind of person who's not going to think to travel with a coat. But in reality, her daughter is a 43-year-old woman who has a very nice and good coat and brings it with her when she goes traveling and then accidentally loses it along the way. So, like, her mother sees her. It's like, oh, you know, it doesn't even fucking say anything for her. Like, just like, here's a coat. Like, I know you're irresponsible. Here's your fucking coat. And, like... And they're both right, because on one hand, 
you know, Adele is, yep, daughter showed up without a coat. What do you know? And on the other hand, like, mom, how frustrating you're thinking that I'm like incapable of taking care of myself when really in reality, there's like natural things happen and you just happen to be there at that right fucking time of all people where you would catch that and, 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 and make me feel that way. The same exact thing happens when she, when she tells her mom, uh, I'm thinking about maybe changing jobs. And she's immediately like, you were fired. And, and she knows it because she knows her daughter. And she's like, no, but yes, yes, she was. And it's just like those moments where your parents know you better than you know yourself, even though you don't want to admit it. And it's like, I think that's like so cap, so perfectly encapsulates that parent uh, daughter or son dynamic. Hmm. Yeah, that, that's well said. And, you know, I spent, both of my viewings trying to figure out, you know, what the overall message was of this film. And you touch on it for sure. Uh, I think that it's trying, well, I won't say, I won't preclude myself, but it's saying that we're not defined by like our families or our upbringings as adults, like exclusively. We can break through the, like the will or lack of will from our parents to mold us into better people or better versions of themselves. And it's up to us to be our, best selves or at least like who we want to be i just don't like the dialogue or the characters or the script or the choices the directors make or the songs or or the scenes i it, it's just tricky for me so i don't know what else to say like, well, the, like you don't have title. to say anything you could just stop talking anytime well no i'm gonna keep going i'm gonna keep going <laughs> That's the right. one definitely, time I definitely don't ever have to watch the movie again That's even the thing. goddamn kid is annoying anyway oh, it's supposed um, to be <laughs> The kids are supposed to be annoying. Yeah, what kid isn't annoying? Okay, that's I, true. I, I guess that's it. Like, when a goddamn kid is annoying, I'm just like, oh, God, this is so annoying. I'm not yeah. like, hey, kids are fucking how do, annoying. How do this is not the holiday kids, movie for you, Eric. How do you teach kids for a living? The kids are annoying. Like, what? Okay. I mean, I guess that's I, how you I, teach kids for a living. I, I chuckled once. Yeah. I, I, think, say, yeah. I did chuckle once when oh, Charles Gurning, like, hosed oh, down Goat and Downey. Like, that was, like, his like the, the only thing he could do to, like, quell this, like, insane energy. But he waters him, like, he's, like, watering, like, a potted plant. He just, like, turns it on and points it at him. I chuckled. I chuckled. I'll give you that. All right. All right. Thanks, Eric. I'm glad you chuckled. Got one laugh. <laughs> well, how does this... Tattoo Eric chuckled on my forehead. Well, how does the whole kind of thematic elements of this film what come to the elements? conclusion that it has you know it's weird to me like everything you said about the film travis i, I generally kind of agree with but then it like ends with like this montage of kind of home movies from okay. the past the present i'm ready and it's like oh everything's <laughs> pretty okay great tell me right, i'm ready um so actually probably my favorite scene in the whole movie is her going down is Claudia going down to the basement to um have that conversation with Charles Durning before she leaves and he talks about um this moment in his life uh uh 1969 10 seconds tops finest moment of my life he says and uh he and he's talking about how you know he 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 wishes he had a camera there for it you know he doesn't he, like he wishes that he had it recorded and how fearless she was and she had and she kind of smiles at him but her smile kind of falters because she's not fearless anymore she's she's not the little girl that she is in his brain you know she's not that she's not that moment but that moment is still part of her it's part of him it's part of their life and life is these 10 minute increments sometimes there's all this shit in between and as as adele says throughout the movie none of it matters none of it matters but as leo fish at the end says no none of it matters nobody will know except for you and me and that's what the movie's about and that is 
that it matters to us. That matters, that uh, our lives matter to us. Look, I, I am a, an agnostic atheist. I do not approach life like I've got a bunch of options in the future. I, I, I To me, <laughs> it's just right now. And um, and I and I don't think that there's a cosmic thing going on where anyone else can appreciate it but me, and whoever else I'm fortunate enough to spend my time with, and that's why the movie speaks to me. Okay, now we're cooking. That makes sense to me too. And I'm the same way. There's no tomorrow. All we have is what is before us. And if that's how you're going to look at this film, I got to tell you, that's kind of a revelation for me. And. Uh, I'm starting to see it through different eyes. I actually might go back and watch it again. Eric, what do you think? <laughs> Be my guest. Be my guest. I can't <laughs> not you. do it. No, no, not Eric. <laughs> I can't do it. It's like it's like going to a stranger's family party. It's awkward. <laughs> and there's a lot of esoteric jokes that you don't understand. <laughs> Can we talk about Sarah Zach Terzak? <laughs> I want to talk about David Strathern's uh, um, uh, his cameo here. Because like Eric, you said it's like, like this, this is not funny to you. And of course, it's not funny. He's talking about his parents dying in a dying car, in a crash, car crash. accident. Right. When they went over the, uh, 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 what's the word? Uh, meridian? And then they, yeah. <laughs> what's the word? Meridian. Then they cut to Robert Downey Jr. and what's his fucking blue eyes? And they're like trying not to burst out Dermot, laughing. Dermot, I'm like, Dylan McDermott. Fuck. And, and then she's like, but didn't you have a girlfriend? Oh, yeah, yeah. She, but she left me for my best buddy, Ray. <laughs> it's just everything. Yeah. And then Which is know, totally the ripped thing. off from a Jim Croce song, by the way. Oh, is it really? Okay. But every That's everything he says is just like he's a fucking sad sack. It's so funny to me. The last like the last thing he says is like, "Have a nice life, Claudia," and he just I don't know. I, I think that scene's hilarious and sad. I mean, I think that to me it's one of those great moments of the movie. Like it doesn't need to be there in a lot of ways. It's just kind of a fun walk on uh, Strathairn moment. But like yeah. I think it's like it it strikes the tone of the movie where like uh, and again like I have a pretty dark sense of humor I guess, um, and. Uh, to me, like that's like things can be hilarious and tragic and tragic and hilarious all at the same time. But it, that kind of speaks to what Eric said to me, though, that scene about letting the cameras roll and Jodie Foster needs to rein this in a bit. Yeah, I yeah. think I think you could have cut that. And you said that. Well, maybe it doesn't belong there, but. But yeah. you know what I do also like about that scene is when he's making fun of Terziak, it reminds me of. Us. again like the, not to just air our dirty laundry and let everyone know what fucking terrible people we were in high school but like that's what he's doing like he's making fun of the guy that he made fun of in high school and eric you've done that I have. I have. um so like I have. that's literally what's happening there you you you're going on about like like i've, I've heard you do it i've seen you do it i've done it too. I have. um yeah. so like eric uh, hates his former self <laughs> well he hates the fact he's white so that to me like yeah that's a definitely a moment where where um where where tommy larson you know robert Downey jr's character is a total dick but like again relatable sometimes i'm a total dick <laughs> like this Agreed. podcast to me yeah all three of sure. us are yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the whole affair is it, it just feels very desperate to me the the titles that's so 90s do you guys like the titles <laughs> I, li I like the rusted root. Rusted root, not the opening credits, but like the titles when they're like, "Oh, family, oh, birds." Uh, my favorite being the point because I'm like, "Oh, finally, there's a point to this movie after 90 minutes." <laughs> oh boy! I don't know. I watched. I watched. I watched the uh, the um, was it the hunt for the wilder people yesterday, and that has oh that's from, that's from 2016, and that has those similar little chapter titles. 
Love that movie. Well-regarded film. Yeah, it is good. So yeah, it's great. I, I don't know. Uh, boy. Again, why am I the only one over here? Is my voice in the background? Is someone not wearing headphones? No, it just annoys no, me. I hear your voice in the background some too. I hate it. I'm wearing headphones. I know they work. Yeah, Anyways, nice. fuck it. Yeah, hey, uh, I'm telling on me, guys. We've been talking about this movie for a while now because we kind of kept this. We don't have to go for an hour and a half. We don't want to. I think we need to kind of come to a point oh, on yeah, this, yeah, ladies yeah. and we, gentlemen. We could, we could, we could rein it in. Um, uh, Eric, is there anything else you wanted to say? Ann Bancroft does a fucking excellent job. I wish the movie was from her perspective. She exemplifies mm-hmm. in a beautifully acted way the feeling of being, you know, getting old and deteriorating. That scene with her in the mirror and feeling yeah, that's great and unimportant. That's fantastic stuff. Yeah. The rest, I, you know, you know how I feel. <laughs> so does it hold up, Eric? Yeah. Maybe oh, you're going to me? Wait, no, well, we know Travis thinks it holds up, right, Travis? I mean, we can switch things up a little bit, but I'll still take my turn. Go ahead, Eric. Take control first. Jodie Foster follows up her limp freshman effort with a family holiday movie by someone who doesn't even seem to like or be even able to handle or tolerate family holidays. Aside from a great performance by Anne Bancroft, Charles Durning, it's ugly, prosaic nonsense, silly without being funny and generally stressful experience from start to finish. I'll take the family stone over this in a heartbeat, and I fucking hate the family stone. It doesn't hold up. <laughs> Travis, I'm sorry, but this is an excruciating experience from start to finish. Uh, you don't have to be You don't have to be sorry. That That is okay. Um, so I, I will start with a criticism of the movie, which is that I do somewhat agree that Leo Fish's character kind of doesn't necessarily fit in in a, in a realistic way. Um, for Tommy to bring him for her doesn't totally make sense, um, but it does galvanize her, and it does, uh, and it is like, uh, it's a movie trope. So I'm gonna ride with it. I'll roll with it in the same way that I will um, the the end of the movie speech in front of all the people that are held hostage <laughs> there listening. Like uh, I'll I'll ride along with some of it. I'll make some make some exceptions, and of course I'll make some exceptions because as Mike pointed out earlier, I have extreme nostalgia for this movie. Yeah. Um, this yeah. movie's in my blood, and um, and the Larsons are, and I think that they are a a warm and loving and funny and relatable and believable family um, that, uh, you know, as, as Claudia says to her sister, Joanne, we're family. We don't have to like each other. And sometimes that's, you can love someone without liking them. Um, and again, I'm not, you know, for any family members listening, I'm not talking about anyone specific, <laughs> but, but, and I'm not, I'm generally not, but I mean, I do think that families and relationships generally, generally are extremely complicated and, um, this movie is a slice of life, you know, kind of movie. It's a it's a hangout picture. There's not like a, a a huge arc, but there is a character that goes from thinking, "Hey, maybe I'm turning a corner and having like things are okay" at the very beginning of the movie to have everything pulled out and and the floor drops out from under her, and she goes home and like you see that parade of like she sees all the people talking on the phones with their parents and like fuck and like that hilarious scene when she pulls up and she looks over at the car at the guy next to her and he looks like fuck and like and you think it's going to be like this awful thing and there is a lot of awful things that happen but still she picks herself up she dusts herself off and she starts all over again and she gets a lamp from aunt gladys or at least uh, leo fish does and and there, there is hope, and there is things in the future, and there is, uh, there, it, life can matter to us, even if it doesn't matter to everybody else. So for me, I clearly love this movie, and it holds up. Well, well there you have it, folks. 
I think we have uh, our answer. So thank you for listening. This is Cinema 9 Podcast. We'd love to hear from you. <laughs> Do you think this film holds up or not? Let us know. Cinema 9 Pod of uh, 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 Michael, and, Michael, your thoughts on this matter? Man, why, always, are these getting, why are these getting so hard lately? I mean, usually <laughs> I have the, this part. I always have the answer. This like, is trash. Quick. Yeah, it's like last week I was torn to bits. And in fact, I actually thought about last week's answer for like hours, days yeah, even. I'm like, yeah, damn, so did I, I do that? Really I didn't cool? know what I was going to say until yeah. the moment. I didn't. <sighs> okay, well, that's good. That's, uh, that's, that's helpful. You know, there's things about it that do hold up, so... And I do really do like the fact that RDJ, even if I think he's annoying in this film and I don't connect with him, it's a very important role and it's something that is ahead of its time. That means this movie holds up in that respect. So that's a good thing. Um, but then it becomes a personal choice. Does a movie hold up because you love it? Does it, is it hold up because it entertained you? What are the parameters? And I think for all three of us, we each have a different kind of setting on this. I really do. Everyone does. So for, yeah. So for me, and you just said, hey, it only matters to us, right? So this each one of these answers matters to each one of us. So for me, when I think about this film, I watched it. It was so-so. I think a 6.6 is rock solid for me. Yeah, it's a 6.6. It's a decent film. Does it get your seal of approval? I, I, I think it holds up. I think it holds up. And uh, yeah. Okay, so there you go. All right. There it is. It holds up. It holds up. It does. I mean... There's a lot to it about, you know, family films are they're so done in a way that are lame as fuck and cheesy and so completely unrealistic, especially the farther you go back in his, movie history. They're awful. They're not even relevant at all. So I think we have to we find a movie like this, even if you don't love the way it makes you feel, it definitely holds up for a family comedies, dramas, pain, you know, everything, all the things that you guys described that went in this film. So that's fun. That's cool. It's a decent film. I'll watch it again because I want to get a some of what you guys, not what Eric's getting, because I'm confident. You don't want what I have. Yeah. You don't want guilt, guilt, stress. You might want to <laughs> approach it. You might want to approach it like with a non-critical lens. Um, for me, I was in, I was curious. Like I thought, like I was a little worried to watch it with a critical lens because I thought I was gonna like be like, oh, because like when I watched Wonder Boys with a critical lens, like yeah, I love that movie, but there was some parts I was like, ah, this maybe some of it, oh, not as perfect as I thought. And Eric, notwithstanding, um, I, when watching this movie with the critical lens, I walked I walked away loving it even more. Wow. Okay. Well, the, if that's not a ringing endorsement of this film, I don't know what else would be. Uh, that's it. Home for the Holidays, 1995. You know, Thanksgiving's coming up over the next week or so when we're recording this, so go check it out, you know? Fuck planes, trains, and automobiles. Let's try something no, different. No, 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 no. Go fuck. I mean, watch that, too. Oh, <laughs> Watch that, too. Watch that. Watch Dutch, you know. Watch Son of a Woman, my favorite Thanksgiving movie. Yeah, yeah, watch Son of a Woman. Watch The Lions, why not? And then watch Home for the Son of a Woman's up. Wow, that's a great call. I do have to say, and I won't be able to sleep tonight if I don't say this, I am very glad that you got to talk about this movie, Travis, because I know how much you love it. Uh, I hope I didn't upset you that much. (laughs) You did not at all. And I'm sure there is a ton of people out there that are going to agree with you, and uh, I absolutely respect. Haven't you been listening, Eric? It Eric, just matters to us again. So it, oh, he only cares what he thinks. Eric, I, I do love you, you. I do love you, and I don't think you're bromide. Oh, oh wow. day. I don't know how to pronounce yeah. it. All right, well, let's cut the shit. Eric Branch, from you have the floor. What is next week's selection for actual Thanksgiving week? Okay, this was the most tough week. It doesn't in- hold up. <laughs> <laughs> It's no, fucking garbage. No! 
All right. The, the, usually they pop in and I'm like, there it is. There's like a shining light on it. And it's like, all right, that's it. We're doing it. It was fucking tough. I had, I had all these ideas for these big heavy hitters, but I, I couldn't there. get excited for any of them. I'm like, I don't really even care to talk about this, even though like, it'd probably be a good candidate. I'm going out on a limb. As you did, Travis, this week, and I respect I the hell out of you for that. Why was this going on a limb? He loves this movie. I don't understand. Well, it's, it's a sleeper. Not a lot of people would. have even heard of it. Yeah, yeah. This, this is not going like, to get us a lot of listeners. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a tricky one. I decided the to listeners. have... What do you think of that, <laughs> huh? <laughs> All in the that... end of you, go to hell. Does that make you like our podcast? <laughs> <laughs> I decided to have a little fun and go back to 1993... Oh, All right. a film that actually years. still gets a lot of respect for being a fun action movie with a lot of social satire. I know written by Daniel Walters, Daniel Waters, who also penned Heathers. I think we're going to be able to point out a lot of parallels with what's going on in this film with what's going on today. Class lore, class warfare, social proximity, the criminal justice system. You guessed it. Demolition oh, Man. Oh! Demolition Man. Demolition Man. All right. I'm going uh, last action hero. Fuck. I thought, I no, thought you were going to do that. Yeah. Holds up. There's no use even talking about it. Demolition yeah, I thought, Man. I thought you were going to do last action hero to, to you said. I was going Warren. to, but we would just all be like, it's so fucking good. Demolition it Man. It's time to take another look. All right. Oh, all right. Wow. Demolition Man. Yeah. Well, you, you may Dennis, have Dennis Leary stars. You may have Dennis tried. Leary. Well, he coached. <laughs> I'm kidding. Supporting cast. Yeah, I, I'm joking. Uh, this is a rat burger. Yeah. <laughs> oh, look at this. Quick yeah. comment at the end. Oh, man. I love Chad exactly. Evans. Loves Demolition. Exactly. Man. I think I love it, too. I've, it's been 20 years. We'll see. President Schwarzenegger. A lot of a lot of parallels. Come on now. Yeah. Right. Hey, Benjamin Bratt. Who, who doesn't love Benjamin Bratt? I do think it's I, I, I love the, the way we generally approach the show. But I also think like, I mean, I think it's fun to maybe try and throw in some more wild cards like this. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Agreed. <laughs> uh What's that fucking guy's name? Otho's in it. I don't know Glenn his real name. Shaddix. Glenn Shaddix. <laughs> Otho. Shaddix. Yep. Yep. Glenn Shaddix. Oh. Rest in power. And Rob Blue Schneider. Green. Oh, no, Rob God. Sandy Bullock. God. Prime Sandra Bullock. 1993. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Fucking... Like, right, right before she popped, really. And I was like, it was yeah. a, the, the, there was yeah. a process of her popping. There's a lot of people. There's a lot of people. This, but the warden from uh, Shawshank. Yeah, everybody's in there. Yeah, so, Bob Newton. Bob Newton. Yeah. Absolutely. It's filled with characters. Yeah. Okay. All right. Cool. I can't wait. I'm happens. so excited. I love Demolition Man. So I'm sure it's going to be not what you think it's going to be. But hey, we'll find out. Stay tuned. Next week, Cinema Nine Pod at ProtonMail.com. Send us an email. Let us know. Did you love Home for the Holidays? Had you never seen it? Are you like Travis? If there's somebody out there. We would love to hear from you. Just tell us who Please, you are. Are you a secret home for holidays fan yeah, like if Travis? One person. Let's like start a, a like a support group or Please. something. Yeah, I love <laughs> yeah. it. I just want to know that they're out there. I think it'd be cool. Send um, me a personal email. Subject line: Eric. It's going to be okay. Yeah, this is not even. It's <laughs> not even like a cult movie. This is just like, a, hey, I like this movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's okay. All right, so yeah, we've enjoyed the show. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with uh, a blonde-haired Simon Phoenix, and it's going to get real <laughs> wild. And every we restaurant is Taco Bell, unless you own the different version where every restaurant is Pizza, Pizza Hut, Hut. Uh, which we'll talk about next week. Okay, thanks for doing it in. Bye, everybody. See you next week. <laughs>